0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Yeah, But Who Cares? I'm here with my good friend, Bree Springs. Hey. Hey. <laughs> it's actually so weird, like, interviewing someone that's your friend. Yeah. Most of the time, it's just professional. We're just going to be laughing the entire time. That's
1: why. We'll try not to.
0: We'll try to be profesh. Keep it profesh. Yeah. Okay, so Brie is a content creator and marketing expert. She currently works at Lumanu in New York City. Brie is from San Francisco and graduated for, with a degree in finance from the University of San Diego. Ooh! She also went on The Bachelor, where she was matched with the first black bachelor, Matt James. Yeah. And she made it pretty far.
1: Yeah. How far did you get? Um, I got sent home third. <laughs> <laughs> I made it to third place. (laughs) Oh my
0: God. So, is there like a medal or
1: something? I wish. No, you just got like broken up with and then you had to sit by yourself.
0: (laughs) So, are the like, is the limo scene back home as real as it seems on TV?
1: Yeah, it's like even more depressing than that. (laughs) Like, what happens? So, just like, you just, you literally, like, it's by and then you just go off and you sit in your room by yourself. For a few days.
0: <laughs> for a few days.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, because they're like just in case something
1: happens. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess like maybe he changed his mind or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. But also because you're like one of the la- like la- later few ones, it's they everything is like super confidential and top secret. So I they try to minimize as many leaks as possible.
0: Okay. Because yeah. I always wondered if they had like twenty-five plane tickets for everybody and then just like canceled them. Like do you get shuffled straight to the airplane?
1: <laughs> yeah, no. It's literally like, okay, damn, like she's she didn't make it. Let's book her flight home. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Anywho. So right now you work at Lumanu. Am I saying that correctly? Lumanu. Lumanu. Yeah.
1: Kind okay. of like Illuminate. So you're you're kind of right, but yeah, Lumanu.
0: Okay, yeah. cool. And you recently wrote an article about how Before you were an influencer, you kind of hated the word and you said that um, it can feel kind of fake.
1: Yeah. I feel like influencers just got a really, had a really bad rap. They probably still do, but I just feel like the term influencer was more associated with like a negative connotation than it was positive. Like in reality, I feel like influencers are like solopreneurs They have their own businesses and brands, but so they're more than just influencers. But I feel like a classic or your typical OG influencers are very much just like people who posted photos of themselves with products and traveling and, you know, just living kind of like this influencer lifestyle.
0: And now I think as a result of Matt James being on The Bachelor, it was kind of ABC's reaction to the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah. And so therefore a switch between coming on the show solely from to date to kind of making a broader political statement.
1: Totally. Yeah. Did you feel that? I think that's what it started out as. I Mm -hmm. think that's what they thought without really fully accepting the repercussions of that actually being the case. Mm -hmm. Or maybe that's Maybe they just did it thinking like, okay, this will move the needle in terms of, you know, diversity Mm -hmm. and our franchise not being racist. But I don't really think that they sat down and thought through like how how people would view it as more of a political statement than anything. Because I think that's kind of where that was like their ultimate downfall, right? Is people saw it as this political, big political statement and like movement. But in reality, it's like they're, yeah, the... The Bachelor is not a a beacon for political correctness. So I don't think we should have even been thinking about them in that way at mm-hmm. all.
0: Yeah, I like the way that you put that they're not the beacon of political correctness, but they are, they are cultural and it's kind right. of really a cultural phenomenon.
1: Right. So in right. a way,
0: it kind of is a reflection of how people think and act, right?
1: Totally. It should be. It absolutely Mm -hmm. should be. But I don't think we really saw that until this season. Because in that case, if you're thinking about it, like it was a cultural phenomenon show. Like they have a really strong following and a really like loyal audience base, like people who love the show and really like want to see are invested in the relationships. But clearly, you know, it wasn't always reflected of, it wasn't a realistic reflection of our culture and our society because clearly it took what until 2021 2020 mm-hmm. 2021 mm-hmm. for them to actually put a black lead on the show
0: so what preparation should they have done prior to casting Matt?
1: probably bringing on making sure the cast was diverse at all times okay. and making sure that making sure that those stories were also shown You know, that could have been... Because obviously he wasn't the first Black lead because there was Tasha, there was Rachel, but he was the first Black Bachelor. Either way, there was always... I feel like the show was still known for not casting that many Black cast members, whether that be women or men. Like, prior to our season... The only black, like the only black cast member that went really far was Natasha Parker. And she was, I I think, yeah, (laughs) I think she made eighth place (laughs) Mm -hmm. on her season. So you still didn't even really get to like see her that much. So Mm -hmm. that was, yeah, they're just historically that people, black people didn't make it far on the show. So Mm -hmm. how would we, how are we supposed to know what to expect from them if we don't even know like, who they are, what their lives are like, what they look like, how they act. Like mm-hmm. I think the show is like very um, new to it was very new to a lot of its audiences.
0: Mm-hmm. But to some degree it's also the leads preference of totally. if they're willing to date women of color or men of color totally. or people of different backgrounds. So yeah. is that kind of something that is on the onus of the bachelor to ask their leads?
1: Yeah, I think so. You know, I think that they very much want everyone to be open-minded because obviously you don't want to bring on a bachelor or bachelorette who only likes black people or who is only attracted to black men or women or only attracted to white men or women. You want them to want to be open, I guess, and have an open mind when it comes to people of different races, backgrounds, religions, whatever that is. But at the end of the day, like it's still... I don't know, maybe they just didn't do enough fully, didn't do enough vetting of some of the people who say they're open and interested in everybody else. But yeah, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's like, you're given, what, 30 options, 20 options to choose from. At that point, you can choose anyone, right? Like, who knows if maybe you are attracted to, mainly to black women, but there's a white woman that catches your eye. I don't know. At the end of the day, it's like, I don't know if it really would have made a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay, so outside of The Bachelor, you also exist in a lot of different worlds. You're a part of Bachelor Nation. Woo Woo-woo. <laughs> You also, prior to going on The Bachelor, worked for a high-profile technology company. And now you work at a startup. Yeah. So how do you maintain your different personas? Or do you feel yeah. like you have to maintain your different personas?
1: I don't feel like I have to maintain my different personas. Because at the end of the day, I feel like... I haven't really lived that much life, but I do feel like I've had a lot of chapters in my life until thus far. So, you know, I have had my experience right after college chapter. I had my bachelor chapter and now I have this new chapter. So I feel like I tend to maintain the same persona, but I feel like I've just evolved into a person with many different friends and connections and groups. And I'm just acquiring like a lot of different, a very diverse set of skills, truthfully. That's what I'd say.
0: It's even weird asking you this question because when we were, we also, two days ago, went to a book release party um, from our friend Cole Brown, but also Matt James. Yeah, yeah. And it felt like everyone in the room knew each other in such different ways.
1: But yeah, but every and everyone had so many mutual connections. Like I had people coming up asking me about my boyfriend. They went to college with him at UCLA and now they're here at my ex-boyfriend's, you know, book release yeah. and, you know, Cole's book release. That's, you know, that's one thing that I will say is like the older that we're getting, the world is just, everyone's so interconnected yeah. and in so many met. ways. Yeah, we met years ago. Yeah. We met whenever we were in college. Mm-hmm. So there was just, yeah, it's really, this world works in very mysterious ways.
0: Very mysterious ways. And you're still the same Brie. No Thank matter you. what. <laughs>
1: Thank you. That's, you know what, whenever you say different personas, I honestly thought I would take on different personas. But the really, the most comforting thing is that one of my friends and old coworkers, like a mentor also mentioned to me, she was like, you were exactly the same mm-hmm. on TV as you were face to face. I was like, that's great. That's exactly what I wanted to give off. Yeah, that won't, that won't ever change.
0: So the guy, and I don't even know who's uh what season it was. He like had a piece of paper and he was like writing notes
1: of what he was going to yeah, do before yeah. he went on the I show. I feel like that was Michelle's season. Maybe. Okay. guess Michelle's yeah, season. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And he was like, this is how I'm going to act. This yes. is what I'm going to do. So
0: none of that you didn't have. Well,
1: <laughs> well, you know, prior to going on the show, I was yeah. in, I was in comms. So yeah. I think naturally, you know, someone someone made a comment. A lot of people made a comment how I talked really, like I talked really slow on the show. And that's also very intentional because I definitely am thinking about every single word that I'm going to say. You know, mm-hmm. I did a little bit of not writing things down, like this is how I'm going to act. This is what you do to get a rose. It was more of just like I was very cognizant of the fact that if I went back to my job, I'm not going to be on camera divulging all of my company's deepest, darkest secrets or even my deepest, darkest secrets because Mm -hmm. I still have to be a professional at the end of the day. So Mm -hmm. in that sense, I was very, I was like very, I monitored what I said and when.
0: So what did you want to say?
1: It was more of like, I definitely just wanted to make sure that I was presenting the most Mm well-rounded person on the show, like Mm -hmm. in those situations. Because I mean you don't really get that much time to talk. You don't really get that much time on camera even. Yeah. So I would just always have to make sure that I'm telling a really cohesive story about myself and who I am and also giving the the viewers a little bit more insight into who Brie is because if I didn't do that, maybe it would have all felt a little like one-sided. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think as being a contestant on Matt James' season, The First Black Bachelor, yeah. you're also... Sadly, black people that go on the show are representations of the broader black community. Yeah. Did yeah, you feel sadly. that pressure?
1: Absolutely, yeah, one hundred percent. Because I knew that. I mean, the audience probably had never even seen like that many black professionals or black women on the show in those ways. So there obviously were multidimensional people and. We all have lived very different experiences. And so, yeah, I was always aware that I had to carry myself differently or act differently. That's why, you know, I think my season was also known for the most like drama of of, like the season, like the most catty girls, the most mean girls. And you could never have found me in an argument there at all. Like I made sure to specifically walk away whenever uh, an argument would would break out or just make sure I was just sitting there listening. But you're also, that that's reflective of who you are. like 1,000%. Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah. But am I willing to like engage in, like I planned scenarios. What I mean, so also this is a good example of like because I was in comms, I obviously went through scenarios in my head of, what if a girl calls me the N-word? Or what if a girl says something racist? Or what if Matt says something that makes me feel uncomfortable? Like, how will I then react? And what am I going to say?
0: But that's like real life
1: too. Yeah. Well, that's our real life. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I feel like that just comes with a lot of like growth and maturity because a lot of what you saw in the show, on the show are people, you know, acting out of emotion, mainly. I mean, I there I only acted out of emotion and reacted out of emotion. But that was, those are people's real emotions. And that's kind of how you had to see them react in the moment. Whereas me, I would always realize like, yeah, I need to like take a step back. This is not, I can't react out of pure emotion mm-hmm. in a one-to-one conversation with a girl who said something offensive, yeah. you know?
0: is how you would react to racism in real life. And hopefully that scenario of yeah. racism didn't come up on the show. No, yeah, no. Does, did that? Did your scenarios kind of change than how you would react in real life?
1: Probably, I mean, a little bit, because in real life, you know, you don't have cameras on you. Yeah. And in real life, you know, you have a little bit more freedom to, you know, say, yeah. re- react emotionally. But in mm-hmm. this instance, I was very aware that there were cameras on me and my first, the first word out of my mouth is going to get caught. Right. Mm -hmm. And also you have to realize no matter what you say, it might not come. It might not ever come out that way. Anything Mm -hmm. can be edited. Anything can be distorted or just not a realistic version of what you said. you know, also we only saw very like bits and pieces of, you know, people's relationships and people's experiences and whatnot. But yeah, I I probably would have been on more higher. I was probably on higher alert on the show in response like in my in my response I would have been.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how influencers are seen by the public, feels like there's a constant tug between different worlds. Yeah. On one side, it's influencers should speak out about instances of injustice because they have a large platform. Yeah. On the other end, it is influencers are shoppers yeah. and sh- don't have a right to, yeah. to talk about
1: it.
0: 1000%. So how do you feel about that? Where do you stand?
1: That's really such a gray area. And I think will always be a gray area because everyone's, everyone's reactions in the moment, in the height of things are, are so, they vary. There is an example of a riot An example that I've said before of like the January 6th riots were going on. That was also like the very beginning of the show starting. People were like starting to develop like followings and people were starting to do their little social media thing. And I remember I didn't post anything because I also, it just was not really comfortable posting that many things. I don't think my profile, I don't think I switched my profile public until the very start of the premiere of the show. And someone made a comment about how they were so disappointed that I didn't like make a comment about the January 6th riot. This was Mm -hmm. coming from a non-black or non-person of color person. And they were like, that's just so disappointing. Like she should be using her platform like to speak out on these things. And it was very interesting because it was like about a white insurrection. (laughs)
0: Like maybe you should be saying something.
1: (laughs) It felt very misplaced. And you want to know something. I actually felt very pressured to post something and I did. I like reposted like a piece of news. But at the same time, I like that is a very pure example of me feeling like I needed to respond to something when I absolutely, absolutely had no business commenting on what was going on. It was more of just, I'm going to sit back and watch how this all unfolds. Was I angry? Of course I was angry. But at the same time, it's like, did I have any responsibility to respond to it or comment on it or share a stance on it or share an opinion on it? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very much, it's going to be very great for a long time because I think it's to each person's own experience. Like Mm -hmm. I've kind of made a commitment to myself that I'm only going to comment on things that I feel confident of speaking about And I probably will not take those comments to social media just because I've never been that person. In my mind, I'm not going to have a dialogue with strangers. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm open to having a dialogue with strangers at a dinner party. I'm open to having a dialogue with strangers in, you know, a community moderated event. That's not to say I'm not passionate about certain things, but the place to do it is not online for me. So I think it looks very different for a lot of people. And again, am I going to go, do I go to influencers to get my news? I don't. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a reflection of today's world is like you kind of need to ask yourself, like, where are you going to get your information or where are you going to get, you know, those those resources and those facts? Sadly, that is influencers and that's social media for a lot of people, but that's not how it is for me. Mm-hmm. So I very much am on the side of, yeah, I don't think influencers should be commenting on things that they know nothing about or they that they don't have any experiences in. If someone's just speaking their truth and sharing their experience, great. That, is that up for political debate? It shouldn't be, but that's just how people react on online.
0: Mm-hmm. But that's also interesting because it feels like, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that people should make informed decisions before yeah. they do anything, yeah. which is react to someone being racist to you in your real life or right. a big group of people being inappropriate. Totally. The world stage. Totally. But it's also interesting because it felt like the world bullied, not bullied, but encouraged ABC also to yeah. make a reaction yeah. out of everything.
1: Yeah, they fully did. And they got bullied into doing something that kind of ended up backfiring on yeah. them. And those mm-hmm. are these are instances where I'm saying is like. The Bachelor is not a beacon for political correctness. Like influencers are not, they're not the sole source of truth. Like Mm -hmm. it actually made me more upset during the height of all of the BLM stuff to see people reposting and resharing and posting Mm -hmm. black squares and talking about things and sharing their solidarity online? Because Mm -hmm. anything online in my, in my mind is performative. I think Mm -hmm. there is a lot of power to online communication and online Mm -hmm. communities. And there is a lot of, there's a lot of power to it. Mm -hmm. Do I think that that's where issues need to be discussed and debates need to be had? And people need to be torn down or propped up? Like, no, not necessarily. I don't. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it says anything about you for taking a stance of, on something. Uh, what says something are your actions at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: So we just spoke about how you can talk about political, geopolitical issues on yeah. social media. Yeah, also, as a content creator, you also match with brands themselves yes. and market brands to other people with the hopes that they will purchase it yeah. and potentially you get some sort of monetary benefit from doing that. Yeah. So that is also kind of a, how we're spending our dollars in a way is also a statement about what we believe in and care Absolutely. about. So how do you make those decisions when working with brands?
1: Yeah. I will say that's why kind of stepping into the world of influencing for someone that was not really active on social media, someone who was already in tech. So I don't necessarily see the, I I don't think all tech is evil, but I kind of see both sides to it. I was always felt like I was more of a conscious buyer than anything. You know, I, I really, I, do I partake in fast fashion? Yes, I do. But do I, am I very much aware of like, The the pitfalls of it, yes, I am. So to backtrack, I was never really fully comfortable, or it was navigating this world of influencing was very new to me. So I feel like I made a lot of mistakes Mm -hmm. and learned a lot of lessons in the process of doing it. I've been doing it for a year now. And I will say that my opinion on like working with brands now is probably very different than it was whenever I first started. I mean I'm not going to call myself like it feels weird to say self-made but I started supporting myself independently at a very early age and seeing the amount of dollar signs that I was being offered to post a couple of stories about or share this product with you know my audience like I was really like wow this is this is a lot of money like this is the type of money that will change my life and that will kind of get me on the track to really start like creating wealth for myself and hopefully my family in the future. So I've never felt blinded by the money, but I think a lot of times I was more so just like, yeah, whatever, I'll do it for the money as opposed to it being like a brand that I truly cared about and really cared about its mission and its values. Now I look at those things and for myself, it's more of like, one, I already have made the decision. I don't promote products that I don't use. And so the way that I like to think about it is that I'm connecting people to meaningful things that are going to enrich their lives or enhance their lives in a n- number of ways, whether that's making your life easier, whether that's making you feel confident in your life, whether that's making you like just look your best self, whatever it is. Those are kind of like the the main markers that I choose to measure, like whether or not I will work with a brand is if it helps if it helps connect people to something more more meaningful or enrich their lives in some way.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that using or promoting products that you use seems like a, oh, no Like shit. a no-brainer.
1: <laughs> yeah, like it's a, it's a no-brainer for sure. Yeah. But I also, you do have to get really specific, mm-hmm. I think, or I did, mm-hmm. because for example, I'm just going to point it out. Like I did a partnership with Colgate. Like, yeah, I use toothpaste. Obviously we all use toothpaste and I use Colgate toothpaste. But at the end of the day, did it meet my marker of helping enrich other people's lives or helping connect something, connect people to something that's a little bit more meaningful or going to enhance their life in any way? No, it did not. (laughs) Not even in the slightest. So I kind of took that learning with me and I realized like I have a few things that I really love and that I'm really passionate about. I'm going to stick with that stuff. Okay, like I'm not going whether or not I use it day to day. Like, yes, I wear socks every day, but am I going to promote socks? Probably not, unless they're mm. like life changing socks. Yeah, then they better fly me to 1, Mars, thousand percent. Then, like, no, I'm right. I'm not.
0: Okay, I mean, I think it's it's funny that you use toothpaste as an example because. <laughs> It is, it is the most non-controversial item that you could support. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. If, if you're like, everyone should buy toothpaste. I don't think anyone's going to be like, no. <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't want toothpaste. <laughs> I don't want that kind of toothpaste. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. No, you're really right. But I don't even know if something was really controversial. It might just be a no. Okay. Yeah. If like, I'm trying to think of something that's really controversial. Um, that someone would promote? I mean, I think sheen. 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 Yeah. Oh, it's probably sheen, but the clothing, the clothing stuff, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess it's not controversial at all. The thing is, it's probably not controversial, but it's not me. I actually think that's more of like the evils of influencing Mm -hmm. and the evils of fashion. Like I really, I can't. It gets under my skin when I buy something and I only wear it once. Okay, Personally, that's just, that's not me. Like I'm trying to do better mm-hmm. about, like I'm constantly working towards like buying f- trendy things and buying like fast fashion. I think it's very obvious to people the impact that it'll have. Mm-hmm. But that's just, again, yeah, that's not something that I want to take part in. I'll, I'm just also not a fast fashion shopper as much. Yeah. Yeah, unless it's like a basic yeah, You know, that I can wear way. all the time. Yeah, We love our
0: t- white tanks. I feel yeah, like our love, friend group yeah. is always
1: just like white. We're pants. always in white tanks. And if it's $16 versus an $80 white tank, like I'm going to buy the $16 one and get as many wears of it mm-hmm. as I possibly can.
0: Speaking of the perils of being an influencer. Yeah. Let's talk Coachella. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so you just went to Coachella with Amex, yeah, Amex, Amex. I use Amex,
1: yeah, I use I use Amex. Okay, girls who use Amex, yeah. Um,
0: this Woo! is not an ad,
1: but apparently, yeah. hashtag This is not an ad, <laughs> but you know there are apparently a lot of people that use Amex, yeah, yeah. A lot of people that have Amexes, yeah. yeah. It very it's very popular. Yeah, it's the little, it's the card for the girlies. It's for the girl.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Did they put that in your, like, media book? No. It's the for the girlies. No, but
1: I, I feel like I ended up getting classically like, classic, a lot of, like, videos on TikTok of people talking about, like, the Amex and stuff. And I heard it's
0: like, Amex is for the girlies. For the girlies. So I heard that, yeah. Um, so the Revolve Festival was controversial because oh it God. was the first time a lot of influencers were kind of treated poorly in the desert. Yeah. of Coachella.
1: Were <laughs> yeah. you, did you go to it? I didn't go. Okay. No, no, I don't really wear Revolve as much or okay. I don't shop at Revolve as much. Okay. Um, so. and I've also, I've never worked with them before. So yeah, I did not go.
0: Okay. Well, you know what? I'm open to it. So they should
1: contact me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they probably will.
0: <laughs> um, they say, people say that the age of being an influencer is dead, which sounds dra- dramatic. It does sound dramatic. Um, yeah. I think that a lot of influencers feel, and also celebrities, they're yeah. constantly getting canceled, which yeah. is a good and a bad thing. Yeah. How do you think the influencer landscape is changing?
1: I think the influencer landscape is just changing very drastically in the ter- in the sense of also just how many people consider themselves to be creators, content creators, influencers. I think it's around... Uh, oh my God, is it like 50 million, 2 billion? Those are two very different numbers, but it's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I think you're kind of finding just people can monet, people can monetize who they are and their brand uh, so much more easily now than they can ever. And also we're entering this world of this new generation, Gen Z, who they're not as susceptible to buying an ad on Instagram the way millennials are or were. So you're seeing constantly a lot more money being pushed into this influencer landscape because that's how people people are going to trust their best friend about a product that you know they heard about or they mm-hmm. saw versus an ad that they're seeing on a commercial on a TV commercial or even an ad pop up on their phone mm-hmm. randomly. So it's kind of just a lot about like okay like these are my internet besties, like these are my internet friends, like people that I go to because the product looks great on them or because they try it out or they give honest reviews. Mm-hmm. Like, so in that way, I think it's changing a lot. People, consumer behavior is just changing on how we buy products. So on
0: monetization, are yeah,
1: influencers dead, they're, they're alive. I'm yeah. with one right now. Yeah. Influencers are very much, they're breathing, alive and breathing. <laughs> the amount of people that you, that I see, because I work at a creator economy startup, the Mm -hmm. amount of people that I see who are content creators or aspiring content creators, it feels like everybody. I know Mm that sounds dramatic, but it really, it feels like everybody and their moms are content creators. Oh
0: yeah. This, uh, this recent study by CBS said that 86% of young Americans want to be a social media star.
1: That's, yeah, apparently that's what kids want to be too. Whenever you Mm -hmm. ask them what they want to be when they grow up, they want to be YouTubers, Mm -hmm. which is mind-blowing to me. What is, so
0: as someone that actually has firsthand knowledge of what it is like to be a social media star, what are some of the bad things that people don't really talk about?
1: Oh, the waste, just the amount of consumption. Like I really hate receiving, I hate clutter, First, of all, first and foremost, but I also just hate being wasteful. And so I am definitely on the spectrum of receiving product and just feeling very guilty whenever I see product, especially if it's product that I don't use or that I know I don't use. Again, I'm, that I try to be very, very conscious in. And I've done a lot better. Like I'll give product to my friends, I'll hang on to the clothes, and I don't do giveaways or anything like that, but I definitely will drop my clothes off. At, like I, re- I recycle them through like thread up, like different you know, secondhand um, clothing companies, shops, Goodwill, things like that. So that's really hard. Also probably the toll it takes on your mental health that, you know, everyone wants, everyone thinks that they're aspiring to live this aspirational life. And all of a sudden you're realizing that people's content is just them like perfectly curating what they want to show you Mm -hmm. and perfectly curating their life. That's why there's like, I guess the age of that is kind of dying, but also not really because I think there still is a lot to be said about being aspirational and people wanting to be like you or wanting to have this like lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, but it's probably a little bit more negative than than anything because it's just, it's not reality. It's not realistic.
0: Is it more so people saying to you in the comments, like, I wish I was like you, I'm struggling with X, Y, Z or is it like your yeah. own mental health as That's- well?
1: I would say both. Like that's also probably really, that's really tough too. It's like, I never want to, I never want people to look at me and then judge themselves based off of like me, you know? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, we're all very different and we all have very different paths to go on. And that's obviously probably something that I've struggled with in the past and that I struggle with now is like constantly comparing myself to other influencers. Like I think we're just naturally like, we're also naturally competitive. So, you know, if you're like comparing yourself to your friend, like, oh, she's got that great job or, you know, we kind of we kind of compare ourselves to people. We're like, oh, That's she's so got that deal. And it, at the end of the day, I just have to remind myself, like, I'm on my own journey and this is my own experience and I'm going to do it differently. Maybe not necessarily how it has worked for everyone else, but how I feel comfortable doing it.
0: That is so Interesting. I think that's the biggest thing I've learned from or one of the biggest tidbits I've learned is the fact that even people that are seemingly on top, quote unquote, yeah. are still comparing themselves to other people that are on top. There's no end. There's no end. Really, when will it end? <laughs> I want it to end, but I don't think it's going to end. So what does success look like for you as a content creator?
1: Yeah, success. I mean, I set a goal for myself to double my income from the last year. So that is a mark that I want to hit for myself. So that's what I would consider successful. Also get to a point of where I'm making an income beyond just brand deals, but I'm also venturing out into maybe I want to like start my own business. Maybe I want to take on podcasting. Those are definitely goals of mine that I want to try to succeed in this year, but also doing my other work or prioritizing my other work just as much as I'm prioritizing this. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's also trying to grow our company, trying to expand expand our user base, trying to meet as many people as I possibly can and learn as much about the industry as I possibly can.
0: So can you tell me a little bit about your day job?
1: Yeah. So I'm a brand manager at Lumanu and Lumanu is a, it's a creator economy startup. Basically it's a platform that allows you to send like fast and easy payments. And we're also a payment platform that allows you to get paid early for your work rather than waiting net 30, 90 days. So when working with brands, especially big brands, you know, they have like net, 30 to net 90 day payment terms. So whenever I first started out creating content, granted, I quit my job. So I had a good amount of money saved up from there, but I was definitely also living pretty recklessly after the show. I was trying to get over a breakup. So I was traveling, I was out a lot. um, And whenever I moved to New York, I was you know my my savings was just diminishing and getting smaller and smaller and finally whenever i was able to do brand deals the craziest thing was that i did not see money hit my count hit my account until like months like wow. 4 months later like i would have to text my mom for her to help me out with my rent because i was making while i was doing all these brand yeah. deals and signing contracts and pushing out the deliverables live i saw no money For the first four months, maybe even five months. And so Lumanu, with Lumanu, with their early pay um, product, you get paid upon completing your deliverables instantly, as opposed to waiting months and months. And for smaller creators, and especially for someone like me who is just starting out their like creation journey, content creation, content creation journey, Mm -hmm. it's a necessity. Like you need you need that money to pay your bills. You need that money to survive. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of the business that we're in is like we make it easy for people to invoice brands. You can send invoices like as quickly as you can send a text message from your phone and you also you have the option to, to get paid up front without waiting net 90, 30, whatever day terms like brands the shittiest thing about being influenced is like brands don't really care about you. You know, like you're not an employee. You're not a valued employee. You're just another like marketing avenue for them. So it's not like you get treated like. But they a, should care. They should care. And, you know, a lot of, we're seeing a lot more, we're seeing a lot more people like bring visibility and bring mm-hmm. awareness to these situations, but not as much as it should be. At the end of the day, they can't change their accounting terms, you know?
0: Yeah, but I feel like it's, it's actually really interesting that f- for you, for example, if you're posting for, the car dealership down the street yeah, and you're not getting paid is six months later, but your people that you are using your platform to yeah. advertise to are, are also giving this other company revenue. So yeah, it's like, it's
1: really, it's really, really awful. Like, mm-hmm. You know, and we try to like work with brands on the brand side to kind of educate them about it. Like I know that there are like agent talent agencies who will tell their clients and their talent about us, about Lumanu and say like, you can get early pay with us. And there are maybe a couple of brands that do that too, but not enough. So my job is also to, it's to close that close that gap. You know, it's to connect with people who are experiencing these issues and it's to connect them obviously to our products that way they get the money whenever they need it.
0: Mm -hmm. And so speaking of ways that influencers can monetize themselves, we've talked about the more traditional methods through brand management. We've also talked about uh, monetizing themselves directly through podcasts or other avenues like OnlyFans. Yeah. There is also another avenue which you've kind of worked with, this mm-hmm. company called Allow Investing. Yeah. The founders were actually on my podcast, so you should listen to that episode, but so we won't drain what they do in completely. However essentially what they let people do is people like me and you invest in private companies. So if there's an indie skincare brand that I really want to support and have them grow, I can invest my money into them. Exactly. And that is traditionally reserved for people of extremely high net worth or venture capitalists. Right. Capital people. So Curious. And and what they're doing also is they're putting influencers as the face of those brands themselves. So if I want to start an indie brand, I can reach out to you, Brie, and say, we're really sustainable. We're black woman founded. Do you want to use our brand? Can then can you market it to your people? Yeah. So it's kind of different because not only are you encouraging your audience to buy the brand.
1: Exactly. You're also
0: potentially encouraging them to invest.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So what made you what made the decision to for you to want to sign on with Allow Invest?
1: Yeah. I think so I'm very new to my finances and obviously content creating can be or being an influencer working with brands, brand partnerships can be a very like lucrative business and so there are there is a lot of like money in this economy and a lot of money coming through. And the biggest thing for me was like, my money cannot just sit there. Yeah. Like I actually am like losing money with my money, just sitting in my savings account than I am investing in it. And so what I really liked about allowing what they're doing is this is kind of like my first introduction to investing in private companies, small companies, maybe people or brands that whose mission I really, really resonate with Mm -hmm. and allows you to act like an owner of the company. Mm -hmm. So in my, you know, I was actually just talking with the founders yesterday and we had a really great example of like black girl sunscreen. Have you heard of black girl sunscreen? It's funny because the conversation we're having was they were like, you might walk into a room of, you know, people in venture capital and being like, this is why you should invest in my company because black people need to wear sunscreen and you have a room of white men that are like, what?
0: Um, they Bla- can just go to the store like we do.
1: Or they're like black. I swear someone the other day just said, looked at our friend Marcus, who's black and said, you wear sunscreen? Like, you know, it, it's because they're, you're not, you don't have the experience. Like everyone has to wear sunscreen. Like skin yeah. cancer is not, it's not avoidable for black people, sadly. So even just that light, that layer of education is not there which might keep a company like Black Girl Sunscreen from getting investment dollars so being able to invest in a company like that something that you know is obviously very personal to me the founder also just has an incredible story i've just been following her on linkedin like that would give me the opportunity to invest in a community of people to invest in our health Mm-hmm. to invest in, you know, I just want to see them be successful. Mm-hmm. So that's what I really love about the approach that Allow is taking and then can hopefully take with other, you know, different companies across different, mm-hmm. you know, industries, things like that. So that that's what really excites me because am I going to like invest in Tesla? Like, no, I d- first of all, I don't really have that much knowledge about it, but also it's like a little bit too late. So even... Mm-hmm getting on top of investing in companies that are just starting now and that are just growing their business and like you have a real impact in the sense that like I wear sunscreen every day like and this is why black people should also wear a sunscreen it's also not just for black people but it's sunscreen for everyone yeah I think that's what's kind of really stand out to me about their company is like being able to to grow with a business and grow with a brand or a person, whoever, the founders of that company. That's what really excites me about what they're doing. I think there are all going to be some, maybe some contingencies to people investing their own money, you know, and that's going to be hard. It's it's really interesting to look up to people who are, might be investing for the first time. Like, oh, should I even listen to them? Like, yeah, i I don't know, <laughs> like walk into it at your own discretion, but I think it's a really good place to, to start.
0: Mm-hmm. In a non-traditional career path, like being a content creator, yeah. a lot of those brackets and milestones that other people in other jobs have, it's not as straightforward. For example, a promotion yeah. at yeah. A, one company or setting up your
1: 501, or 501K. Yeah, 401K. <laughs> Is there a 501K? Okay I was gonna say fuck I am really behind. I was really nervous for a second.
0: I, I was wanting to say 501c3 which is like for <laughs> okay, non yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I like my brain. Um, <laughs> I have a 401k don't worry. Um, so how do you manage like all of your finances and setting those things up when a lot of the time for most young people, it's kind of done for them.
1: Yeah. And this is very not done for me. Like (laughs) as a first generation college student, I majored in finance specifically. So I could handle my, have a better handle on my personal finance, but Clearly, that is also, I'm just was just left in the dark after um, getting that finance degree. Not really quite the same because they don't teach you how to do your taxes in college, which is fucking weird. But, anyways, yeah, I definitely have some help now. I do have a couple, I'm working with a couple of financial advisors who I, you know, talk to with, if not on a daily, every other day about my finances. And, yeah, you have you ever heard that song or ever heard the saying more money more problems?
0: Yeah, of <laughs> yeah, course.
1: I feel like that's I feel like that's kind of like in the the situation that I'm in is like once you start making more money you realize like you're taxed more, you're in a higher tax bracket, you you know, it's better if you have an LLC because yeah. you're taxed differently and all of these things that were just completely foreign to me and it's, I'm still learning. Like I hire people to kind of walk me through this every single day. My boyfriend's slightly helpful, not really. Um, well, I'm, he's not a financial advisor. Like yeah, that's not yeah. the industry that he's in, but he will help me when he can. Like. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about different things and talk about what I want to invest my money in or where I should at least be investing my money in for sure. Like, obviously, I need to open up a Roth IRA. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, I need to start an LLC. So that way, I actually am running a business and treating this, you know, whole content creating thing like a business, mm-hmm. which kind of allows me to, like, wrap my head around it more. It's like, you know, I think of myself as, like, a brand a business. Like, that allows me to, like, know what I need to do now with my money. So... It's very hard. I'm still, I'm still learning.
0: We're all still learning. I feel like <laughs> so that's kind of what the impetus of Yeah, but who cares? Is is we right. do surveys on young people and how they act yeah. in different situations. This first survey was on how they invest their money. Yeah, and it was really interesting to see. First of all, how many young people are not invested in anything? Yeah. And how it differs per different demographic. Women are most likely to be invested in nothing. Wow. And most likely to be invested in only one or two asset classes. Right. So it's conversations like these that kind of normalize, first of all, how daunting it is because it is stressful and no one wants to do it.
1: No one wants to do it. Why doesn't anyone want to do it? Like, why isn't this stuff fun? Because there's so many like. Or why don't I find it fun?
0: I, I guess some people, people do. do yeah, some people do find it fun. We should be friends with those people.
1: I would love to be friends. If you're listening to this and you find this fun, obviously my financial advisors, you know, find yeah. it find it fun, and I'm learning a lot through through them and what I obviously I'm you know getting some counsel on things that I should be investing in. But that is also really why I like allow because you're kind of like starting from square one mm-hmm. essentially. And learning yeah. how to invest, and just kind of learning what you what you like, and maybe what type of investor you are, mm-hmm.
0: and it just allows one to diversify their own portfolio. Of course, exactly. the public markets at the time of this recording, this podcast, are really bad. Yeah, um, which is, of course, you should diversify and invest in a lot of different things but it gives another avenue of young people who really understand branding and brands to really utilize that knowledge of stuff they already know about into their portfolio
1: exactly a hundred percent
0: so a little teaser on our next survey topic is something you're also an expert on
1: (laughs) (laughs) am I an expert
0: it's on dating. Ooh, am I an expert on dating? I mean, I think technically. I could be. You're per- I, Actually, I, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was on a dating show yeah. and got broken up with and now I'm in a relationship. So...
0: it yeah. so Success. Success. <laughs> um, I didn't go on the show and I'm still not in a relationship. So who's <laughs> the loser here? <laughs> so... When it comes to dating, what did being on The Bachelor, did it did it change your view on dating?
1: Absolutely. How yeah. so? I feel like I don't talk about this a lot, but it made me want to date people that look like me.
0: Oh my God, I love yeah. that. Yeah.
1: That's actually part of the reasons, one one of the reasons why I'm very grateful to have met Matt because it was the first time where I did feel like, oh my God, this is someone who seems to have a really similar background as me, seems to you know have a very similar upbringing to me, um, which I was not really exposed to growing up a lot, um, going to, what do we call them, PWI, going to PWIs. But yeah, doing that entire experience and being surrounded by, first of all, like that many like black women, beautiful, smart black women, and also just being surrounded um, or dating, I guess, Matt, the first black bachelor that definitely it, it kind of pushed me to getting out of something i mean i would say my comfort zone but just ec- like experiencing dating more than or different experiences than what i was i was used to
0: so to be candid it was prim- before you didn't date men of color or black
1: men. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't date men of color. I didn't date black men because I didn't know any, I didn't, I wasn't really surrounded by, by that many growing up and even going to, going to college. So Matt was literally the first guy that I saw and I was like, Oh my God, like this guy's really, really, really hot. He's cute. Like, yeah, maybe Mm -hmm. there might be something. Yeah. And you
0: both Or he has biracial parents, and I also have biracial
1: parents, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's
0: definitely... Do you think in dating, it has made the relationships itself different, or is it still a person-by-person basis?
1: It has made the relationship very different, Mm -hmm. like dating someone who is black, looks like me. My boyfriend's a first-generation um, immigrant. His He's Nigerian. His parents are from Nigeria. I mean, just the way that we move through our relationship is very different than I've ever moved through relationships in the past. I've never felt more like myself than I ever have before. And obviously, because there was also so many instances where I could not be myself in my other biracial relationships or where I found myself arguing with you know my partner, about like why black people are not racist and can't be racist. Just little things like that, that even though I loved that person, these hiccups would still come up that made me feel like I was having to constantly defend myself. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, kept me from being myself. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Well, you shouldn't feel, I, I like that because you shouldn't have to feel like you have to defend yourself in a relationship. Absolutely
1: not. Never on any on any level, under any mm-hmm. circumstances, never should you have to feel that way.
0: So what are now, now you're in a happy relationship, but what were your non-negotiables and are
1: when it comes to dating? Yeah, you had to have a job. <laughs> <laughs> I know that sounds, I know that sounds crazy. I'm like, Brie, come on. That's I know that, that sounds crazy, but maybe more like a more traditional career, I will say. Okay. Um, not that I would be opposed to dating influ- another influencer or another content creator, but the drive is very, you're still getting a lot of exposure having, you know, a traditional corporate nine to five role. And I'm mm-hmm. also still in my traditional corporate role as well. And so you just, it's a different experience. You know, you you are, as a content creator, you are a solopreneur, I guess. But, you know, you, you're getting a little bit more um, kind of diverse experience doing both or doing one or the other. That was non-negotiable for me, else was a non-negotiable for me? Obviously I had to be very outgoing, mm-hmm. had to drink socially because I've dated a lot of people in the past who surprisingly didn't really drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and that did not work out. Yeah. Because I'm a very social person and I mm-hmm. drink socially. So yeah, got a, that was a non-negotiable, I think this time around.
0: Well, yeah, I, I also have experienced that. And as much as I respect it. Very much. And obviously being on the other side of the spectrum isn't fun either. Yeah. There's always a happy medium.
1: There has to be. Yeah. I don't know that I had that many like non-negotiables.
0: There. So the questions that we're going to ask are around also how much do you consider things like uh, different identifiers when it comes to dating like race, age, mm-hmm. someone's socioeconomic status, someone's religion. And if you're willing to date outside of those standards.
1: One thousand percent. Yes. I yeah. And I don't have And everyone says this. I really don't have a type like I've dated short people. I've dated white people. I've dated black people. I've dated brown people of all different socioeconomic backgrounds, any type of religion. Yeah, I don't I don't discriminate. You
0: don't discriminate. Freeze <laughs> one for the people.
1: I'm one for the people. Now I understand that, you know, maybe if I was dating someone and they were of a different religion and mm. they couldn't date me or get married to me, I'd be like, Okay. Yeah, checks out is what it is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of people that you've dated in the past, I saw well two days ago you went to the release of yeah. Matt James's book, yeah, called First Impressions.
1: First Impressions.
0: Curious how your relationship with the Bachelor cast has changed and evolved yeah. two years after you've been on the show.
1: Yeah, it's oh my god, it's been two years.
0: I, I don't. I threw that out there. It kind of has been. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
1: Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. <laughs> It's definitely changed and evolved. It's evolved in the, in the way that it's really nice to see a lot of the girls in relationships now, seeing them like happy in their elements. Because it was a really dark place in whenever we were filming. Like you only saw people sad if you think about it. Like you, kind of, you saw people jealous and you saw people sad. Oh, yeah. It's awful. I <laughs> feel like after awful. they need to like do a cleansing of the they mansion. really do. It was, yeah, we need to like burn some sage. So even like the last time I saw Michelle, like, or this was not recently, but you know, the first time we saw her after the show, like she was, we were both really sad. Like we were crying, you know, it's not. it's, it's not nice to like see your friends in that way. So seeing all of them happy now is just, it's a really, it's a, Big breath of fresh air and kind of like seeing them step into their own their own spaces. Um, I'm not as close with a, as a lot of people as I would probably like to be, but you know, in those last two years, my priorities have shifted draft drastically and have changed drastically. And a lot of my friends like they still go on the show. You know, Michelle just found love on her own season of the show. Serena found love on Bachelor of Paradise. And then, you know, my journey came to an end and that was the very much the end of my bachelor journey other than all of the outside relationships and stuff. And, you know, even my relationship with Matt has evolved. I feel very much like at peace with um, how things ended between us and the whole experience in general. I think it's we're all kind of like moving on in our own separate Ways, but obviously still have a lot of like love and appreciation and respect for for one another, which is a really great place to to be in.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, everyone's growing up. Everyone's growing I feel like up. It's like whenever I think of the batch, I think of class of twenty
1: nineteen. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's literally exactly what it is. And they I should mean, have a yearbook for you guys. They should do a yearbook for like where are they now? Yeah, yeah. I feel I like do. there are blogs that do that. <laughs> Oh yeah. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still mentioning like a few blogs, like what's free up to now? And you know,
0: are they, what percent of the time are they right? Never, never, never. Should we clear the air?
1: Well, for starters, I'm not from San Francisco. I said that. I know you did. Yeah. But that's, that's online. That's what it says everywhere online is that I'm from San Francisco. I knew that was wrong. You knew that, you knew that was wrong. <laughs> But you're getting your information online from these online false sources. <laughs> I'm from, I'm from Texas, Texas. Oh yeah. I have San your Antonio. fake ID. Yeah. Yeah. You do. <laughs> no, you have my real ID. I have your real ID. Yeah.
0: Wait, that is actually our origins. Wait, I don't know if that's allowed to be said. I will, we can write it out. But
1: yeah.
0: I had Bree's. Uh, fake ID yeah or no you I had, had her real used my real
1: ID whenever you were when I was underage
0: I, when I was underage even yeah. though I'm literally six inches
1: yeah I know taller than I you I know I'm sure it worked though
0: it worked every time yeah um thank you so much for being on the show thank you for having me this has been so, so fun I had so
1: much fun we were professional enough
0: we were professional yeah um and where can people find you
1: They can find me in New York, in Brooklyn. They can find me on Instagram um, at Bree Springs. I have a TikTok. um, Also Bree Springs. And they can also find me at Lumanu.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, bye.